Hi, I'm Hannah Donovan. And I'm Sheree Robinson. You're listening to It Just Got Real. So now that we've got your Dairy Queen ice cream, you can tell us about (laughs) your moment, Sheree. (laughs) (laughs) Don't judge me. The way my life is set up right now, that Oreo blizzard is literally like the Dalai Lama for me. So, I mean, I'm pretty envious, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. You wish you had those melty Oreos crumbling in some sort of high fructose corn syrup. Ice cream production. I mean, I wish a lot of things because I'm lactose intolerant, but oh. ice cream sounds really good right now. <laughs> it's been such a wild time, and I know it's a wild time for everybody listening, but this week was one of those like, okay, maybe we need to rethink this whole thing called life kind of moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an 11 year old for those that have not been listening, you know, stories of trace dominate a lot of my life. <laughs> and uh, he's a sixth grader. And our whole plan after I raised my round was to sort of transition back into New York City. I had left New York first to go to Africa for almost a year. And then when I was transitioning back to the United States, I made the decision that I would live in upstate New York where my aunt lives so that I could have support for my son and not have to pay New York City rent while I tried to raise money. Smart. Right. You know, as a responsible, committed founder person does. So post that, it was like, once you close your round, get through the end of 2019, start your 2020, like figuring this whole school thing out, which I was doing doing applications, doing all the things, Mm -hmm. starting to look for apartments, and then the Rona hit. And so at first it was like, okay, maybe we just stay upstate New York for the year, but like surely by spring, summer, we'll make this move. And then I hear the announcement that New York City public schools are closed through the end of the year. New York City private schools have already been closed through the end of the year, Now they're not even, like, they've made it very clear that it's going to be no summer situation happening, meaning schools are shut down, camps are shut down, and even, like, New York beaches might be shut down. So it's basically a wrap for all things winning parenting through September at least. And so that, for me, was like a WTF moment. And then on top of it, I found out that our CTO is also like with family outside of the city. So it was like, he was like, I'm not going back to New York. And I'm like, well, I can't go back to New York. And then it was like, our whole move this year was about like being in New York as a team. Mm -hmm, Right. And so having to think about what that actually looks like was a lot, but also an opportunity because alongside this sort of practical thing, we're also in the middle of an entire company. I hate the idea of using the word pivot because I feel like that's all I'm reading in every report. (laughs) But in many ways, it's like we had this roadmap and there was some stuff sort of at the end of it that were like, one day we'll explore those things. And now they're like, oh, wait, no, those are the things right now. Those are the important things. We're doing them now. Mm -hmm. We're figuring it out. Now, 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 now. And so it's less of a like pivot away and more of a like reshuffling of the deck, mm-hmm. but in a very, very, very major way. And in some ways, it's just given me this complete blank slate to create. And so 
the real moment it is like, I'm leaning all the way into it. Like, all right, everything is upside down. Mm. It's time to be bold. It's time to like make the big ass leaps Mm -hmm. in the company, in my personal life, in all the things. And no, I don't have any of the like hard answers and the variables are changing, but I'm jumping out there and I've already started to see the results of like what that could look like. So that's like in the grand scheme of things, like what's really going on. That's a lot. I love that you were talking about pivoting and then being like, uh, I hate this word. I heard this thing. I don't even remember where this week because this week has just been like every day. <laughs> founder life is such a blur. <laughs> Start a founder life. But it was um, a pivot is when your purpose stays the same, but your strategy on how you get there changes. And I was like, oh, I like that. That's very accurate. And I feel like the startup world just throws the word pivot around all the time and they don't really know what it means. And often it's kind of like got this negative connotation now. Like when you say you're pivoting, it's like, oh, what happened? Did it go wrong? Like, did you need to change it? But like, actually, that's a very accurate description of what you're doing, which is like your purpose, your core purpose is still the same, Mm -hmm. but how you're approaching it, the strategy to get there has had to shift because of the world around you. So it makes sense that everything should come into question, but that's a lot. <laughs> it is, but it's. I really actually love what you just said because it even reframes it for me and makes it feel, it actually even underscores what we're doing even more. And I think one of the things in that, like as much as this is about being bold, it's also about finding a balance between being bold and leaning into the systems that work, leaning into the ideas that work, which is why like mm. your sort of, definition of pivot just now in this moment made that settle for me. Like one of the things we're doing that like maybe isn't the boldest thing, but it is creating like transformational changing the business is I decided to get like really good at email. Nobody's traveling. The only thing we're doing is building community and finding value for that community, but obviously wanting to stay in touch with that community. And so I worked with someone that really helped me redefine and re-implement our email strategy. And like doing a drip campaign for those of you who are trying to like figure out your marketing strategies is not the sexiest thing to take on to do. Mm-hmm. You're literally like writing emails to no one, mm-hmm. trying to think about like, what can I say that doesn't sound stupid? Testing those emails when they explode on the browsers, looking at the analytics and the open rate, trying to understand like, oh, it's, Email is like the worst. It's not fun. It's literally not fun. <laughs> no, it's not sexy. No, it's like, <laughs> but it works. It took me three weeks to write these damn emails, I promise. So, like, I had the assignment, I knew what I was supposed to be writing, and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. Like, I'm going to get there. And every week I was talking to Alan, shout out to Alan, host digital, UK based guy, amazing. But I was every day like the kids showing up to class without my homework, like, oh, no, didn't do it, didn't do it. But we had this event and I knew I wanted this new email strategy implemented before this event wrapped so that those people could get the follow-ups. So to like make a long story shorter, I was like, yes, I'm making these really bold moves, but there's also some things that are just like the things you just need to do because it's tried and true and proven that it works that you need to do. And so I was like, these emails are it. Like it's super fun to be like, 
we're not going to just be travel. Maybe we never were. And maybe we've always been about community experience. And like, let's imagineer that up and where we're going to be and maybe move to another country and, 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 but also let me get these emails done. And so I did, got a whole new like fancy schmancy drip campaign out. And we went from having like 18 to 20% open rate on emails to like 50% plus open rate on emails in one week. Amazing. The emails were all so really good. And I just want to say for listeners, I got one of these emails this week and I was like, oh, Shrey's sending me an email. That's nice. And I was like, oh, this is cool. This is a company update or something. But then I was like, oh no, this is really different. This is really personal. And I was like hooked. It was not what I expected it to be at all. And the first thought that came across my mind was like, wow, this is really good. This is really good storytelling. And it made me really want to get the next one the next day because right. you left it on a cliffhanger <laughs> as well. And I was like, damn. I was like, you know, when you get that sort of like kind of jealousy, but not really because you're like, <laughs> oh, that person's my friend. And like, I'm friends with like the coolest, smartest people. So that's cool. But like, damn, like this is like annoyingly good. I have to ask her how she did this shit. You know, it was like all those feelings. At well, the same I'm glad time. <laughs> that is the reaction I wanted to happen. Like with the damn email. <laughs> Um, even though I didn't want to write it. But even like, it again, the email itself was a balance of like, okay, I need to do something bold. Like I need to jump out the window with this one. Really good Ron Brown song. Mm-hmm. If you guys were born in the early 2000s, you should look it up. Jump out the window, Ron Brown. But anyway, back to the point, <laughs> I was super nervous. And we'll actually share this email just so y'all can check it out on our Twitter. But like, I was really nervous about writing the story I did in this email. I would be. I would be nervous about sending that story to everybody. It's personal. It was personal AF. I was just like, all right, girl, like we're really just going with it. And I was also nervous that it was like maybe isolating. Like maybe Mm -hmm. some people would get it and other people like, ooh, like what's wrong with this person? (laughs) And at the end of the day, I was like, who do you want? to be in this community? Mm. And that's the question I ask. Who do you want to be in this community? What kind of connection do you want them to have to you and to this company? And what is the direction you're trying to go in? And we are literally rebuilding our entire way we do business into membership and content and community and connectivity. And so it's like, you're not going to really get a good version of that by like telling a super vanilla story and hoping people like don't see it for what it is. And so everything is about that right now. It's about like, if I have to throw it all out, maybe I just need to do that. And I think that's like, for me, who's been like slugging my company along all this time, that feels super radical. I remember what it was like to build every bit of our platform. I remember the win I felt with pitching that platform to our seed stage investors. I remember closing the round after thinking that I was never going to be able to close a fundraising round. And so to look at all of that work and think, our mission's the same, but this how gotta go is like major, major, major change on top of not being able to build it in the city I thought I was going to be building it in, knowing that my team is going to have to be remote when I really wanted a team in person. Mm-hmm. All of those things But I've just made a decision this week that like, 
we out you. You know, it's not politically correct, but it's like balls to the wall. Like, let's just, <laughs> like, let's just do it. Like, that's kind of like. Yeah. I mean, you have to. You have to. And it reminds me of this um, this story I want to share quickly. I was lucky enough to speak at this web design conference, Web Directions, in Sydney, in 2015. And um, the person who gave the keynote at that conference is this guy named Tom Loosemore. And he was the person who spearheaded the reinvention of the government website for the United Kingdom, gov.uk. And for people who've ever tried to use it, or if you've lived there, you know that like before this happened, it was like impossible to use. It was like the US government website, but like worse, worse, worse. It was just, you know, like rabbit holes of different PDFs and like tiny fonts and things that were impossible to read and like doing your taxes with HMRC was just like a nightmare. (laughs) And they completely reinvented it and standardized it and it's beautiful and accessible and clean and easy to understand. They even designed like a whole font for it. It won a design award. Like it's truly a work of art. It's a masterpiece. And a lot of other countries have followed in the footsteps of the UK since that big project to modernize and standardize their government websites because citizens should be able to access information easily. And at the end of his presentation, which um, was amazing, and it talks about like all of these feats and all of these accomplishments and all of these big moments and like how difficult it was to get like all of the ministers involved and like doing this, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. At the very end of the presentation, he goes, but you know what? There's one thing that I regret. And that is, we could have been bolder. And that moment really stuck with me, like that you can accomplish so much and you can do so many things like what you're talking about of like raising money and getting that first round and building the platform. And then still like sometimes it's not bold enough. Like you can even always go bigger. And that's something that I think about probably every single week when I plan the work for the week with my team. Like, are we being bold enough? Like, are we being kind of crazy enough with what we're doing right now? Like this week or a few days ago, I should say there was like a, a slight conversation between a couple of the engineers on my team about, you know, like how many bugs should we ship with or not? And I was like, we just got to do this. It's like, there's definitely a moment sometimes for choosing the slightly more dangerous path because you just don't have any time. And if you want people to notice you and to exist in this world, then you have to do something that is really out there. I love that. One, I love that, like, even in his work, I mean, I've been to London, I've been on those sites. Like, I am always like, why does America stuff suck so much? <laughs> it's really <laughs> bad. I'm always like, <laughs> damn it, these Europeans, like, they just have it together. But particularly the British. And I didn't even know that this guy existed. You see, did you guys peep Hannah's design nerd? Like yeah. she really showed her whole design nerd self. Like I was, I was <laughs> I'm like really a designer. Like, I don't know the names of any of these people, but I think the opportunity here is for whatever you're doing, always ask yourself that question. Am I being bold enough? So here's a question for you, Sheree. And it's about how do you be bold when all of the variables around you are changing? That's a really good question. And I know you're like not supposed to say that, but I said it anyway. But (laughs) Because like you're dealing with like New York City's shut down and summertime and your son and the company and the pivot and like your team. There's a lot of variables at play here. How do you handle decision-making when there's so many things in flux? One of the best things I've learned 
period. And we talked a little bit that on our like uncertainty episode, but I think it still like rings true for me is that decision making is definitely part art, part science. Mm-hmm. And I think when the variables are changing a lot and are completely out of your control, that why element that lends itself to the art part is what you have to lean into. So quite frankly, like I'm very clear on our mission. We've done a lot of work recently with like talking to our customers and engaging. Like I feel very connected to our end consumer at the moment. And so that connection powered by my own conviction is what I'm using to say, F the unknown, like this is what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean I'm not, I mean, I'm reading the HBR articles. I'm, for those that don't know, HBR stands for Harvard Business Review. Lots Mm -hmm. of really good things there. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm reading the articles and the case studies. I'm talking to the 80 million investors, but this is one of those moments. And I think this is true of most times when like nobody knows better than you. So the best decision is on you. Nobody knows what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know what the end game needs to be for me as a personal level. I do know what we're trying to achieve at a mission level. So it's like a check-in with myself on my personal goals, mission, and objectives, a check-in on the company ones, and then like creating a plan that allows those two things to align. And as long as that plan can happen irrespective of the ways the variables go, like it's it's to the point where like, I'm a mom, I'm not in the New York City school district, our school district hasn't shut down, I am making a decision that even if they say we're going back, I'm not. And that's just a decision I'm making. And so I think just having conviction around decisions and aligning your decisions with purpose is really how you can navigate when like literally nobody knows anything. That's great. I always struggle with decision-making when there's a million variables changing and I wind up with like all these different matrices and spreadsheets and I'm like really going through all the data before I feel like I can go in a direction. Because especially when it's an irreversible decision, like when you have that conviction around it, like once you're going, you are going. You are putting that plan into motion so you just better be sure that it's the right one. And you can creep into it though. Like Mm -hmm. full disclosure, this like, this whole changing the business, like I creeped into it. Like mm-hmm. I put, you know, to be practical, I knew we were considering launching a membership. I wasn't sure what the membership should have. I wasn't sure how much it should be. I wasn't even sure if anybody wanted it from us. So first I said, what's the first thing I have to answer? I have to answer, well, does anybody want it? And so we had an event and I decided to put a price up there that included a membership. And I just ran the experiment to see how many people are going to buy it that at least gave me the answer to one question. So some of it is like solving for one question at a time instead of trying to solve for every variable at a time. But the school thing, it was like, okay, they're going to go back to school or they're not. And even if they say yes, what am I going to do? Solving that made that decision just not a thing anymore. Mm -hmm. So it was like when there are a lot of variables, rather than thinking about them all together, think about answering one at a time and moving with those answers. So what's been happening in the world recently? Like, what are the things that I'm like, what's really good? I mean, there were a lot of things this week where I was like, ah. 
probably the most of all was when in our team meeting today, I like showed up late and everybody was talking about the president telling us to drink bleach. And I was like, wait, what? What is going on? And I had to completely missed it. And our, our head of operations is like, okay, so I've got like a PSA for everybody at the company. Please do not put any cleaning fluids in your body. <laughs> Like, what is actually happening right now? I mean, it's just <laughs> like, how are we even living like this? That was my, that was, yeah. But people are also taking this to the next level. There was this thing on Twitter where it was like, it's funny. I didn't even correlate it to this, but there was like, it was like a little video. And this woman was like taking cleaning, like toothpaste cleaning and put it in inside little like empty pill packets. So she was like putting bleach in the pill packets and then like putting something, some solvent in there to make it solid. And then she was like popping the bleach like pills. And I didn't even realize that the whole point of this was like built off of the thing that the like U.S. president said. And I was just like, that is ridiculous. What is happening like on the planet? That was very, very wild. But it's also like on the list of like crazy ways people are dealing, coping, adjusting to the whole moment we're in as a society, it's ranging from the like comedic to the tragic. Mm -hmm. On the tragic side of things, like why is Georgia considering reopening? Actually, why have they reopened? Mm -hmm. Why is Louisiana or Florida also considering the same things? And as a Black woman, I'm also paying attention to the fact that like Oh, the numbers are skyrocketing for Black people in Georgia. Oh, for all over the U.S., not just in Georgia. By a, a large degree, it's shocking and horrifying. It really is. And you've got state governors with data and making decisions on who their constituents are mm -hmm. and making decisions to reopen their states because certain lives are expendable. And it's not just a race thing. It's a class thing. It's an ageism thing. Like I read this, there's like this running story of people giving voice to their older loved ones who have passed away because it's like we keep reading these statistics and they're saying like oh most of the people who are dying of coronavirus are elderly as if like that's okay this idea that like oh they were almost gonna yeah. die anyway but like they weren't gonna die like they weren't gonna die right now there was like this story like my grandfather's life mattered like my yeah. grandmother's life mattered like it doesn't matter if they were like already uncritical. Like it does not matter. They were still a person that if our government had been responsible, may not have had to go right now. Those are some of the things that like for me have just been like record scratches a whole week. It's just been like, we're just really going down a rabbit hole mm -hmm. that doesn't make any damn sense. Yeah. It's really hard as an immigrant also to be in the thick of this. Like I was listening to the Code Switch podcast on this exact issue the other week. And I was just like, I don't even, I'm just feeling so many different things because mm. it's like, I don't come from this culture. So I'm like always learning more things every single day, but also I kind of don't want to be here right now. Like right. the U.S. is doing a terrible job of dealing with this, but also I sort of don't want to leave because like, it would really suck if I couldn't get back in for whatever reason. Like, who knows what is like going on with borders, right? Right. And yeah, I mean, just looking at how other countries have handled this, this is just the worst over here. But 
there are some silver linings because I know like, geez, we like all are out here like trying to figure out how not to feel That's overwhelmed true. by it. Let's not feel overwhelmed by it. <laughs> so there are some other things going on. Yeah. One of the things that's going on is that I was deep in uh, like an internet hole on this week is like, there are so many cool consumer apps being made right now. Like it is amazing. There's so much creativity happening at this moment. Like I remember pitching trash two years ago and all investors were like, "Mm, consumer mobile, what? Nobody's ever going to use this again. We don't invest in that kind of stuff. Get off my lawn. Go away, kid. And I was like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Like Facebook's rotting from the inside. People are going to get sick of Instagram. Like, trust me, they're going to want something new. And they're like, you're crazy. Go away. And now looking at how Clubhouse built up like so much hype with the limited app codes for getting into the test flight and all of these other really cool apps that have been coming out recently. Like the update that squad pushed was really cool. Typo looks really interesting. There's just, there's like a new thing every single week. And um, I'm in a couple of different groups of like consumer social company, startup foundry type people. And it's awesome to watch the amount of stuff that's happening right now. I ended up just having like a random Twitter conversation with someone that I didn't even know the other day on DM and he's like starting a cool sounding thing. And it turned out we knew a bunch of people in common, but Mm. it was really refreshing because it reminded me of the internet in the sort of like 2009 to 2012 years where like there was just so much stuff popping off all the time. It was like when snap started around the time Instagram was coming up, like there was just this, plethora of like cool shit to play with. And I just feel really like overwhelmed, but like in a, in an excited way, like it's cool to see all of this stuff come back. And it's also cool to know that like I predicted this and it's like happening. So like, you know, I did that, you know, like, it's like, that's cool. Like I know what I'm doing. Um, And all those people that said no to me and wouldn't write checks because they were like, you're crazy. No one's ever going to use mobile apps again. Well, you were wrong because everybody's sitting at home using mobile apps right Damn now. With the chest, man. <laughs> but, and might be for a really long time. Um, But that's been a silver lining for me is, is watching all of that happen. What have you been doing in culture this this last little while, Sheree? What what have you been listening to, watching? Well, it was funny. What I was actually going to say is when you were talking about all the innovation in consumer apps, I was going to talk about the lack of innovation in the most recent television series I've been watching on Netflix, mm. which is Black AF by Kenya Burris, who did Blackish and Mixedish, and mm. I really wanted it to be good. And what's funny is I also don't watch Blackish or Mixedish or any of those things because I just think it's weird to talk about those things in that way. Yeah, yeah. I guess this is for somebody, not for me. You know, this guy just got $100 million deal on Netflix. He's a Black dude. Like, we got to support, like, for the culture. Like, I was ready. Man, by two minutes in, I'm like, what the hell is this? And why is this like this? And I was like, see... We're out here doing actual stuff, and this man's getting money to make the same story again. <laughs> Glad you're not the only one. <laughs> the premise is like his daughter is going to film school or applying to film school, and so she's making a documentary about their family. And then it's like the show is called Black AF, but everybody's like biracial and light skin. So I'm like, is it really? It might be mixed AF or light-skinned AF, but it ain't black AF. Literally right then, it was just like, 
WTF, like right away. And then it was just corny. Like the whole opening was just corny. And I'm like, black people are not corny. So why are you being corny on the show? Like, I don't know. There was just a lot of things about it that I just was like, un- but I like, I went for it. I stayed in for two, I'm um, three episodes in. It's because it's by a black person. So I really want to like go the course on it. And so I was trying to, it's basically like, Blackish with more curse words, like, which, as your parents <laughs> always told you, if you can't figure out an intelligent way to say something without cursing, then you're not that intelligent. And that's what it makes me feel like. If it feels like you've already said this story three series in on primetime cable, I don't actually need it in Netflix with swear words. Damn, you gave it more of a chance than I would if I don't like something. I'm like, turn it off in the first 15 minutes. I've been working a lot recently, so I haven't been watching a lot of stuff, but I gotta say, like shout out to radio right now. Like I have been listening to so much radio, mostly because it's like just so easy to put on in the background. But I have a group of friends and we're all really into NTS, which if you don't know NTS radio, you should definitely check it out. One of the things I love about NTS is there's only two stations. So if you don't like one, you can try the other one. It's so simple. And you never know exactly what kind of music it's going to be, but it's always really eclectic and interesting and cool. And And um, their tagline, don't assume, is for a very good reason. But I also have been listening to a lot of Rinse FM and like other UK radio stations that I used to listen to a lot when I was in London and my friends were DJing on them and stuff like that. And it's just like, it's so refreshing to not have to think about my own programming. I feel like right now I've got so many decisions to make in my own life. And there's this extra added weight of having to make decisions amidst a pandemic that like normally I'm so excited to make my own decisions about music. But right now I'm just really happy to put it in the hands of an expert DJ and like let them do their thing. (laughs) And I'm like discovering so many nice things through that. Um, Yeah. Radio. Radio is great. And it feels a lot more organic and human and connected than listening to an algorithm play me a playlist of tracks. I think that's the other really big thing about it is having a DJ come on and like say the show I didn't talk about the next track is like this human connection that I really need right now. It's just interesting. Like the whole place we're in, I think probably leaves all of us feeling like we're like in the middle of the tornado And I think the reflex, and it's funny, I spoke to one of our investors, Charles Hudson, actually the investor that Han and I share, shout out to Charles and Precursor. One of the things he told me was like his fear is that companies are going to be in the middle of this being so scared to move that they're not going to innovate. And so like companies that have enough runway to like keep paying their employees, they're going to do that for 18 months. And then like, maybe they'll sputter out or maybe they'll you know, they'll have like PTSD. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, thinking about the kind of some of the stuff we were talking about today, whether it's like this moment of me being like, where to go? I think there are some things that like can carry you, whether we're in the middle of COVID or not. And I think, you know, the first one really is to like, just know when it's time to be bold. And sometimes when everything is crazy, it's literally the exact time you need to like, karate chop yourself like out of the situation to get some clearing and to really make something amazing happen. So I think that's definitely one of the takeaways that I hope you guys like kind of run with after today's show. 
Yeah, I think what you were talking about when you spoke about making decisions with a lot of moving variables and learning how to like sort of X things out as they don't become problems anymore. Mm -hmm. Like how you were like, okay, I'm just going to have conviction about this thing, about the school situation. So that's just not a variable that I'm going to deal with. And really trying to reduce the number of moving parts until you have like the smallest subset that are the immovable pieces. And then that is how you can base the decision. Because when you have so many things swirling, it's so hard to make any, it's like so hard to move forward. And that's exactly what you need to do. You need to put one foot in front of the other and do the next right thing and do it as quickly as humanly possible and as boldly as possible. And that requires that process of like editing it down to the like essential core of the things. Absolutely. And I don't think the last one is really that even when things get hectic, whether it's hectic, the world is in a pandemic hectic or just like hectic in your company, the things that work generally still work. Mm -hmm. And so the tried and true things are not things that you should completely abandon, even as you're being bold, even as you're cutting through the variables there are going to be some things that you need to just do because they work. I did that with the emails. I'm sure Han does that all the time with her sprints and how she runs her company. Like sometimes you got to do the things that make the things happen that we all know work. And I think it's yes in your business, like, but it's it's like meditation. Meditation just works. Like taking that five minutes and like doesn't matter what's going on in your life, just generally works. So you just always should do it. So I think finding out what those things are for you and your situation and making sure that that like undergirds whatever big, bold thing you're doing is going to get you to like a nice balance between feeling like, yes, I'm making progress. And also like, I'm making this progress sustainably. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to make the bold jump and then, you know, have no more gas in the tank to keep it going. Yeah. I always talk about that with my team in terms of de-risking, not like, de-risking in the sense that you shouldn't do risky things. You should absolutely do risky things. But I usually say like, look, if we're going to jump off the cliff, let's pack a parachute because we know the parachutes work. (laughs) So let's not just go jumping off the cliff. Okay. (laughs) How do we take this risky thing that we're going to do and de-risk it as much as possible so that it probably works because we really need it to work. (laughs) What we don't need to work is anybody trying to drink bleach or other disinfectants. That takeaway. Please don't do that. Don't, don't make it in. No, we don't. No. But you know what you should do is you should subscribe to this podcast on all of the places where Get Real Pod on Instagram and Twitter, or you can send us an email if you want to. And also thank you to all of the people that help make this podcast who are Sam. You know, sometimes we talk about Sam on the show. Like, Sam, don't cut this part out. Okay, leave this part in. Um, and thank you to Yuri for the cool music. And Also just, you know, all the people in our lives that have been so supportive in helping us make this, like listening to that really terrible first pilot episode, et cetera. And also thank you guys. (laughs) This is episode three of this thing that used to be a phone call. And so, you know, send us a note and let us know if you like are enjoying being on (laughs) three-way. 